Here is a quote from Katarina herself that says, in the right hands, a blade can cut through anything, and I do mean anything. And I immediately thought of, like, you know, Master Yi, which we don't have yet, uh, but then I also thought of Jax, where in the right hands, anything is a weapon, and I do mean anything. <laughs> and and that will make more sense anything. when we get there in the future. <laughs> Welcome to Cattles of Runeterra, episode 53. <laughs> I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. What is up? We're back. We're back. We're back, and we're finally talking about one of Hetch's favorites. Like, we're back, and not only are we going to talk about one of my favorite champions, but we're also still talking about a Noxus champion. Yeah. Like, it's What is this? Is this opposite day? <laughs> it's actually the blooper episode. <laughs> but no, no, no bloopers here because there's housekeeping. And you know that belongs in the right place. So you can listen to us everywhere. As always, uh, follow us on TikTok for clips and on Twitter for uh, keeping up to date on episodes. It's the easiest way. That's at Podcast Core. That's C-O-R. And you can send an email to the same name at gmail.com. And as always, leave a like, follow, short review, comment. Helps us a lot. Helps us with discoverability. Helps other people see it. Uh, So please do that if you could take a little bit of time after you enjoy one of our episodes. And then tell a friend to assassinate the opposition by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. This is metaphorical. (laughs) No, you can't prosecute me. The casuals made me do it. It will not hold up in court. All right. State of the game. State of the game. Um, yeah, so I've been, listen, I, I know I took a while to start playing decks, but I've been playing decks, all right? So we did Zither, right? We messed around with that. We did Sharvin, um, and now I'm playing something that's a little bit outside, not so much outside the meta, but a different take on it, which is Zulu. I'm playing Lulu for, I think, the first time competitively um, huh. in a while. So uh, a while back, uh, you know, we're I'll, I'll say... I'll say friends of the show, Runeterra CCG. They do a good job, um, and we know they're uh, you know sponsors of the Twin Sons pos- podcast, and they're you know good friends there. So I was just reading. Obviously, we're always looking at articles and decks on there, and I came across one, which is this Zulu deck, which is Zed and Lulu. Uh, and the gist of it is a lot of early pressure with Zed, especially in this current meta. Um, Lulu kind of bolsters that, uh, but it plays some one-offs like Inspiring Mentor right to buff zed in hand so you have this one drop old man who's going to give you a plus one on the top on the attack which helps and then a lot of it is around pretty much you amplify zed's pressure until they've solved the problem and then you do things like sharp sight or twin discipline and then you start doing relentless pursuits and golden agency so you're getting multiple attacks after they burn all their resources on zed right and if they don't deal with zed then they're going to have to deal with zed with those additional pieces so it's been an interesting deck um to play it fits me very well because it's aggressive but it's also very flexible um in how it approaches things and it capitalizes heavily on your opponent's mistakes so if they're playing sloppy i'm going to win that game okay 
I would never have guessed in a million years that you'd actually play a Lulu deck, but I, I guess it makes sense now that yeah. like a lot of those support cards actually got some help. Yeah. Um. So it, uh, clearly the help is working if it's if, if someone like you is actually playing it. Yeah. I. I think... Yeah. I I I haven't played a lot with Lulu, so I I don't know too much of, <laughs> as far as how she we works. Have, we have hours of like days worth of recording to prove otherwise <laughs> you're going to prison shut up i i have not played competitively with lulu i've okay. lost a lot with lulu <laughs> um so i i am like taking your seat as far as uh not getting to play as much as i'd care to um i i've been playing uh on uh as crazy as it is to say, I've been playing a bit of magic with some of my friends because the, the we're all D and D nerds, <laughs> and the new magic set is D and D centered. So, you know, it, it's been taking up some of my time. That said, I've uh, been playing through the labs on uh, on Runeterra and getting to finish out the Bilgewater. Um, what is it, Salt Coast? Uh, so now I've got. A completed run with all three characters in it, so Misfortune, Twist of Fate, and Tom Kinch. Um, and I already kind of want to try to run it again because I got all three medals with Misfortune, but I didn't get any medals for the timeline on Tom Kinch or Twisted Fate because I took too long. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I'm like, oh wait, am I just? Do I just suck? And now I need to answer that question, and I need to see if I can beat it. <laughs> but the 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 Bilgewater little dungeon crawl is it was has been an absolute blast. Uh, if you haven't gotten to try it out yet, give it a shot. Um, and if if you are doing it, reach out to us. Let us know if you've done it, because I do want to know if people have done it. And if well, we're gonna if there's enough people playing it. Uh, we'll talk about some of like the little power ups there and everything. Yeah. So then I can nerd out about how much fun I've had in the PVE. <laughs> nice. Nice. So let's, let's get into the main topic here. The curious cat. Um, meow. <laughs> I don't know if we needed that, but you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Hedging his charity work. <laughs> <laughs> But we're talking about Cat Arena, as we mentioned up top. And, you know, an interesting point I I, I want to put up top here is something we've talked about over the course. Like, if, you know, when we do our state of the game, we talk about the decks we play. Hedge has played Cat, um, or at least tried to play her more than myself. A lot. Um, and one thing we always come back to is uh, is a very interesting champion since she's one of the vanilla, the vanilla champions that existed since the beginning, um, but never really had support. And this reflects in the cards that are in the deck, right? Like a lot of Katarina decks you see, she's like a one of or a splash, and there's not really cards around her that work for her. And you'll see this because literally when we're picking our cards for this episode, we're very limited <laughs> in our choices. So, so limited. Yeah, I say all that to say our first one is the spell Blade's Edge, which, funny enough, is a card that's a part of the Katarina card when Hedge talks about her uh, more in depth. And the, the significance of this card is not so much as played. It's very rarely played, um, but it's the foundation for equating damage to a spell cost, right? So when card games come out, 
usually the first thing people do is try to find the most vanilla aspect of a card, like the lowest cost, very basic version of a card that allows you to say, okay, we now have a premise for how much this ability is worth for mana. So for Blade's Edge, we have a one cost fast spell that says deal one to anything. So you now know that one damage is equal to one spell mana as far as value. And then from there, you start to build out. So the other cards we talk about with damage abilities, that may be slow spells, that may be burst spells, that may be targeted or anything spells um, that deal with damage, you're always factoring in, okay, if it has three damage on it and it costs more than three, what is that extra points? What are the, what are the extra points of values? Or the extra point of yeah value equating to, right? Um, right. I know I made that complicated, but that's why this card is important. That's why this card exists, and this type of card exists in every card game. Yeah, and and it is something that even if it's you haven't put the thought into it yourself of trying to figure out like that math behind the value of the damage, it's something that you would feel. Um, uh, what like when we talk about staples within regions, um, piltovers on, we have Mystic Shot. Two mana, two damage, and that's it. And the reason that we always talk about that being a staple and we don't talk about cards like Get Excited, because Get Excited, three mana, three damage, but you're discarding something. And that's why Get Excited, you really only ever see it in a Jinx or Draven deck because they are running payoffs for discard, so they don't mind about this extra cost. Uh, whereas another deck, you're not going to get that value. You're losing value because you're losing a card. And uh, so you you would have noticed it without probably ever thinking about yeah. the why. Yep. And uh, the one thing we do get here is a quote from Katarina herself that says, in the right hands, a blade can cut through anything, and I do mean anything. And I immediately thought of, like, you know, Master Yi, which we don't have yet. Uh, but then I also thought of Jax. Where in the right hands, anything is a weapon. And I do mean anything. <laughs> and and that will make more sense anything. when we get there in the future. <laughs> oh, just beating people with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so this takes us to our next card here, which is our follower, naturally. And once again, very limited selection here. Uh, and I decided to go with the Legion Saboteur. So it doesn't fit one-to-one -one here, um, but it does deal with the concept of assassins, right? And in Noxus, you have like these different types of assassins, right? You have things that are related to like the LeBlanc side of things. You have the more traditional assassins that we'll talk about when uh, Hedge talks about Katarina. And then you have assassins for hire who are still like in the military and will show up once in a while, um, but they're used more for um, outside disputes versus internal disputes in Noxus. So Legion Saboteur, a very popular card. Once again, an OG. Uh, you see it in damn near every aggro deck, um, but it's a one cost, two one with on attack, uh, deal one to the enemy Nexus. Simple, straightforward. You could argue that this is that this card is the queen of aggro decks mm -hmm. because they... There's nothing better than getting a one drop on curve and even what this has over other one drops is reach because yep. 
it's like oh great i drew a one drop uh later into the game the very least you go ahead and drop it and it's still going to get one damage to the face yeah and that one damage can mean a lot Um, and i i am excited and hopeful that we're going to see more uh, cards coming into Runeterra that at least follow the storyline of what Legion Saboteur has because, uh, you know, you you kind of pointed out that there are a lot of different assassins, not only as far as what their jobs are within Noxus, but uh, a lot of different major houses within Noxus are training these assassins for their nefarious plots. And we're going to talk about some that even be our champions in League of Legends, at least, you know, kind of mention them a little bit. Uh, and hopefully we get to see more of it, not only because the story is cool, but because, you know, hey, Katarina needs help. <laughs> like, like, help our girl out. Like, again, like this is a card that's like run only in aggro decks. Blade's Edge wasn't even initially like a part of Katarina's true, kit. True. That was a, a buff that Katarina got. <laughs> um, and even after that buff, people really only ran this card in like Swain TF decks so that you could have like the, you know, one mana and stun something after you flip Swain. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we get more of these saboteurs and these assassins because Katarina needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about her. Let's get straight into it. Yeah. So what is... What what are these assassins and how does Katarina play into it? So, it, unfortunately for Katarina, this kind of picks up very early into her childhood. Um, so you know, it, uh, she she has a rough childhood trademarked um, and big uh, therapy vibes. So, <laughs> uh, Katarina is born Katarina du um uh, I, I'm tempted to just go with the Cajun pronunciation, sure. Katarina du Coteau. Um, I will never say it. So, <laughs> uh, so born to the house uh, of du Coteau and the in Noxus, it is a very prominent house. This is kind of reminiscent of like your Fiora storyline, where you know the house Laron. Um, this is house du Coteau and uh, Noxus, and she is the oldest of the two daughters that are born to the Ducatos, uh, when the, the youngest daughter is Cassiopeia. If you haven't listened to our Sivir episode, even though Cassiopeia is not in the game, we do talk a bit about Cassiopeia and her story as far as how she kind of ends up becoming the Cassiopeia that we know from League of Legends. Um, now, the father and the head of the Ducato family is a general within Noxus. And not only is he a very well-renowned general, but he's also well-known as far as leading a lot of the, uh, a lot of the guilds that train assassins in Noxus. And he's also known as a competent assassin himself. And what's mentioned in the storyline is that Katarina takes after her father while Cassiopeia takes after her mother. And taking after her father means that Katarina wants to be an assassin. So from a very young age, practically when she 
is at the age where she first is able to master her own motor skills. She is thrown into the training to become an assassin. And this training is very rough. The, um, as far as, like, to take a direct quote, uh, she spent every waking moment honing herself into the ultimate weapon, testing her endurance, her dexterity, her tolerance for pain. She stole poisons from cities, or from the city's least reputable apothecaries, testing their efficacy in tiny increments upon herself, gradually building her resistance, even as she cataloged their effects. So, uh, you know, I remember being a kid, um, <laughs> like, getting home from school, riding my bike to my friend's house, uh when we got home to see if he wanted to play Mario Kart on the N64 and I would do that instead of doing my homework. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, probably around the same age, Katarina is literally poisoning herself and then like, okay, I need to make sure I write down all the effects before I pass out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like training to be an assassin is a, uh, it's a rough business. <laughs> I, I think the closest to poisoning myself would be like eating old candy, like year old Halloween candy I had left over and be like, oh, I really should have eat this, you know, chocolate cream egg. But I, the wrapper was still on it. The wrapper was still on it. So I take a crack at it and then I'm out for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. So. So, yeah, the Katarina's got a very rough childhood but this does train her to become a very skilled assassin and now that she's a skilled assassin she wishes to do her part not only for her family and to bring more renown to the family name but also for the service of noxus a, a lot of a lot of the noxian champions that aren't really involved with like the black the black rose um they do have a sense of loyalty to country uh and we see that reflected here in katarina's story and this is important to point out that she is does take pride in noxus and wishes to push it forward because we that leads us to her first job and again she is trained under an assassin guild that is run by her father so her first job comes directly from her father and it is on the campaign trail. So outside of Noxus, this is moving, it specifies into Western territory. Um, no one named on the enemy army is a champion that we know of, but since it is a Western territory, this is likely moving into Demacian territory. And we do know from some of the, like, the comics and stuff that Katarina does a lot in Demacia, but the... We don't know who this first mark really is. All we know is that it is a lowborn by the name of Demetrius. So she gets called up to her father's army. And instead of being told to like kill a very high ranking officer in the enemy army, she's told to kill a nobody. And, and real quick. Pissed. Uh, uh, yeah, I want to I want to mention the wording here used the concept of like a lowborn, right? Is that one thing you keep in mind, like usually when you have an assassin story, um, you have them be either an orphan or someone who is lowborn, who their only option to get ahead, right, is to become an assassin. But we're dealing with someone who is essentially royalty in a sense in Noxus. 
that she's born with a silver spoon in her mouth and a silver dagger in her hand. So it's 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 an interesting mix there um, of of two traits uh, that you usually see in fantasy. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned that that's like how a lot of people end up getting out of the trenches in fantasy stories. Uh, because I was going to mention it a little later on, but one other well-named assassin that her father trains is Talon, who <gasps> is a champion in Too League soon. of Legends. Too soon. <laughs> and not only is he a champion in League of Legends, but he's a, an orphan living in the in the ditches and the sewers of Noxus, and because he is just trying to survive, he becomes skilled with a blade, mm-hmm. and this is how he gets picked up to become an assassin. Uh, whereas Katarina is just, oh yeah, no, no, no. Like we, this is how you wear a dress. Make sure you have your table <laughs> etiquette. Now go and drink your poisons while you throw your knives. It's a very <laughs> like, unique pretentiousness when she's like, "Oh, I have to kill that." Ew. Ew. And, <laughs> and it is important that she definitely to point out that she is ew about this first mark, uh, and she is so upset by it that she does not follow through with the job. She decides to break into the enemy camp, and she kills the she kills the commander to the enemy army. Um, and with her killing the commander, not only is it like in her mind the best way to bring glory to Noxus. But it's also, you know, killing someone high, killing someone of status, not stooping down to the level of these gutter rats. So the after she kills the general, the very next day, Demetrius becomes the vengeful hero and charges the Noxian line with a whole army that is just now bent on revenge, stirred up into a frenzy, and the Noxian army, led by her father, loses. Like So, it, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> the, this grasp for glory <laughs> kind of flips on its head, because instead of getting glory, she's now watching her dad run for his life, while most of his retinue is cut down <laughs> behind him. And, uh, rightfully so he's now pissed because hey what you an assassin's job is to take their contract and get it done it is not it is not to seek out glory your job is not to become the right hand and the raise up to status your job is to kill who you're told to kill and katarina seeing that he is truly very angry and very pissed off is like, okay, well I'm going to go and finish the job I was given. So she ends up leaving to try to track down Demetrius and complete the contract she was given. Now, a lot of people hearing this at this point in the story will be like, Oh, so she tracks down Demetrius, she kills Demetrius and now she becomes an assassin. You're not technically wrong. The little detail here is if we haven't really – with our LeBlanc story and our Swain story, you know, the politics of Noxus is very important. Um, and the standing of your house and your family is very important. Uh, I mean we even see that in the episode with the lease is that these people will kill over their reputation. Mm-hmm. Katarina has brought shame to her family's reputation and her father runs an assassin's guild. 
So on the way to find Demetrius, Katarina is attacked by an assassin. (laughs) Hired by her father. (laughs) Trained by her father. Uh, And this is how we get to the point where we get to see Katarina and the mark that we all know so well, which is that gigantic scar over her left eye. So... This attack leaves her permanently scarred, but she is able to defeat the assassin, and she does go on to kill Demetrius, return to Noxus, and in perfect Noxian fashion, drops a severed head in front of her father, and then apologizes for making her father have to hire an assassin to kill her. I now know my place, and it won't happen again. Father, remember when Hetch mentioned therapy? Oh boy, <laughs> talk about like some Stockholm syndrome <laughs> crap! Like, man, I need therapy. <laughs> yeah, like some big therapy vibes here. But yeah, like Katarina is now accepting of her place within um within Noxus, and she continues her work as an assassin, and part of her work and her daily from this point on because her dad is still pissed at her is that she now has to compete with his newest protege which is talon uh so uh, talon orphan brought up but now they they are constantly kind of at each other's throats vying for daddy's approval um so yeah now reduced guild so you gotta remember he lost a lot during her mistake so it's, it's like it's now, hey, we're starting from, we're now a startup again. <laughs> we're a small, scrappy startup. Yep, we're a small, scrappy startup, and it we're here because you messed up, Katarina. So yep. now meet my new vice president, Talon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, that rounds up Katarina's story. And how do we translate this into a card game? So Katarina, if we've already kind of chimed on, Girl needs help, but I still love this card. I have an absolute blast playing it every time I play it. Uh, it Katarina is a three mana, three two with quick attack, and on the play, create a fleeting copy of Blade's Edge in hand, which is the fast spell one mana, one mana, one damage to anything. All right, now her level up is. I've struck once. When I level up, recall me. Um, so this is one of the most unique level ups in the game, as far as not only is the level up condition fairly easy to to achieve, because, again, she has quick attack, so her striking is always going to happen first if she's attacking. So it's fairly safe to do, but then it's also she recalls. So you kind of like almost negative a card yourself like you're removing your board presence to get the level up and the payoff here is that she gets a plus one plus one as the only champion in the game that does this she increases her mana cost to four mana so instead of being a three mana she is now four mana after leveling up and on the play Instead of getting a blade's edge now, you rally. And every time she strikes, she's recalled. 
real quick, I want to mention, so I have a little, and maybe I'm playing mental gymnastics here, but I have a little thought about just because of how good Riot is at flavor, um, as they've proven throughout this game and throughout all episodes we talk about, um, different champions, different cards, her increasing cost and it only being her, I feel has some relation to the price of a good assassin. Like a, a good assassin is going to cost you more than a beginner, right? And I feel like there, I maybe I'm reaching, uh, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Like always trying to find an ex- explanation, right? <laughs> all right, all right. Gut reaction, you are absolutely reaching. You are, <laughs> and you're not even. Not only are you reaching, but you're reaching into an empty trash bin. <laughs> but I'm so hungry. Like you're you're just at the bottom of the trash can. Like you're getting like all that stuff that's just seeped out yeah. of a bag that used to be in there. Oh no. That's what you're grasping at. Ew. That's my initial gut reaction. But the fact that like the increase in mana cost ticks me off so much yeah. with Katarina and how badly I want to make Katarina work. I'll I'm with you. All right. Like it's like, okay. Like I, cause there is no good reason that she has her mana go up. So you know what? Yeah, that's what they did. So, <laughs> so the truth of this, so after I wake up from my dream state, right. And I come back to reality. The truth is, we, as a reminder, this was an OG card, right? And the rally effect was something that was very rare uh, amongst cards, and it was very powerful. And for how she behaves, where she's a continuous rally um, at the end of the game, they just didn't want to be broken. They're like, we got to make, we can't leave her at three because it can start getting out of hand. Um, if you're able to get a quick flip or get her out early and then flip, it becomes a nightmare. So it's probably just a safe bet to be like, hey, just increase it by one. Why not? You know, like, I know that's the thought process there, but we still live in a world where we have Relentless Pursuit, three mana. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Slow and spell. then, And that's a slow spell. All right. So what what is the negative of keeping her at three mana and then having the rally be a triggered effect? So something that actually goes on a stack. Well, you can play her again. Okay, that's entirely true. Yeah, so you play her, you get to, like, with Relentless, you play it, you get one extra attack, right? Yeah, you you get one extra attack. And Relentless doesn't have a a body Relentless Pursuit, uh, since it's a spell, Mm -hmm. and it's three mana, if you somehow have an accursed hand, and you're in this place, you can play Relentless Pursuit four times in a turn. All right, so imagine you have like a Lucian on the board, yeah. and you have all three copies of Relentless Pursuit okay. and a Lucian in your hand. <laughs> you can play that four times in a turn, but Katarina can only get played twice. Yeah, but all right. so and it, it, okay, that aside, that we're talking so that is like in vanilla Runeterra world. Uh-huh. That is something that is possible. Yeah, we are now in a world with scouts. And free attacks. Yeah. And Katarina still increases her mana cost. So I and think you can what only play it twice a turn. They'll probably buff her, and the buff will be leave her at three. It, it, it has to be, in my mind. Yeah. Like, and honestly, the fact that she has to recall herself to get that value, mm-hmm. it's not even going to be worth it. Because you then are sacrificing your board presence 
to get these effects. Yeah. So you, Katarina is a card that you need to be playing in a way where the your opponent's about to die. Like, like a finisher, which yeah, is like Katarina needs play, to yeah. be a, a finisher, which makes sense as far as her being an assassin. But oh yeah, so I'm fine with it as far as that effect. But yeah. she needs help because the playing Katarina, you're always setting yourself behind. Yeah, all right. It, it's kind of like the way that Swim talks about like uh, pick a card, where if you're playing pick a card trying to get value, you're playing it wrong. Yeah. Like, you need to be playing pick-a-card to be drawing into a finisher. Yeah. Uh, like, pick-a-card is there to flood your hand, and you need to be winning off of that turn. And yeah. Katarina's kind of in that same vein, but so she's I, I statted think... out as an aggro card that ends up losing the aggro value because you no longer get the blade's edge and you're having to pay more mana. Well, yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do with she may also fall into a realm because we're going to get a lot of champions, right? And just like you see this in Magic, you know, you have like commander specific cards and cards that aren't really meant to be competitive, uh, but are more fate focused on the fun aspect, right? The flavor aspect. And I do think because it's been so long, because we've had all the changes you've mentioned, that they've probably labeled her as a fun card where it's like, hey, if you're more of a casual player, if you really want to put this as a one of to just have a fancy finish and have some flourish, then go ahead and do it. But we're never going to try to push her to the extent of uh, playable cards like Golden Ages, right? Like these cards that we want to see more in the competitive scene. Um, so, yeah, or, or they could okay. change her completely because – that, this card a, is very flavorful. Like it fits her perfectly. So them yeah. changing it completely would almost be a mistake to try to make her make more sense in yeah. the competitive sense. I've I've not considered it as far as being like a more casual, fun card, it, and it is because you know I put so much effort in trying to make Katarina work that I'm a little tilted. <laughs> oh, we know. Uh, so <laughs> so you, you you got me there. That that might be something that I'm thinking of. But, it's possible. Uh, I would be remiss if we did not go through some of these quotes on her card. Um, And as far as before the flip, the flavor text there is exactly what I like about Katarina. Please cut me, Katarina. Oh, no. Um, We're at that point in the episode. (laughs) Nothing like a little Demacian target practice to sharpen the senses. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'll be your target. (laughs) <laughs> oh no <laughs> um and then we have a quote as far as from a demacian target um no sir just a flash of red next thing i know i look up and it it was like a slaughterhouse in there and <laughs> sadly katarina is not like a slaughterhouse in in runeterra but that is that is spot on for how she's played in league of legends oh yeah <laughs> Oh, people People that remember early Katarina, just look up the YouTube videos. There's plenty of them. You just check a brush real quick with, like, you and two of your friends, and then all three of you yeah. are looking at each other in the next life going, what happened? Yep. So it takes us to the point in the episode where I usually have a question and or challenge. And we're leading more to questions now that we're getting towards the end of our, you know, champion coverage and starting to get ready to start doing some region coverage and some more in-depth lore stuff, right? And this one, as we, you know, relate to this episode is I'm asking Hetch, 
what do you think of the young assassin plot trope? And I call it a trope, not derogatory, not, not to be derogatory, but it is. It's a very popular thing and mostly any fantasy you find. And you have your different you know, flavors of it. I mentioned how Katarina is from the upper crust, which makes it different. But the gist of how her story is, and it's a very self-contained small story here. We're not going to go into the comics and other things outside of that yet. Um, but it's by the books. And I always wonder, you know, how people feel about it. For me, I don't mind it because that's, you know, as that storyline exists, it never really feels intrusive. And I feel like it's always the beginning state of a story where it's like, this is just to get it started. You know, we're turning the key in the car. And what I care about is what happens after all the basic assassin stuff down the road. And usually like how they change, how they apply their skill if they leave the guild, if they stay within the system and try to change it from within, those kind of things are where I put more emphasis. Um, so I don't have too much problem with it, but I was kind of wondering how you felt about that that very popular uh, trope. I, I, too, have little issue as far as with it being the trope. Uh, one, it's a trope that's kind of based in realism. Like, people... In the real world, people do not get into a lifestyle where they are putting their lives on the line and having to take life. They're not getting there because of good circumstances in life. (laughs) That's just a reality. So like that trope is already kind of based in reality. So it helps, especially in a fantasy setting, it helps give a sense of realism that I enjoy. Um, but I'm also okay with the trope because it makes things that are outside of the trope a lot more enjoyable. Um, and then that's how we end up with stories. Like one of my, what I constantly reference as the greatest trilogy and Epic of our generation. Uh, it will be taught in history books alongside, uh, all of Homer's works alongside religious texts, uh, and that is the story of John Wick. Right? <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> John Wick is the greatest trilogy of our time. But they're going to make like five of them. And that makes it even better. Like, <laughs> I'm only the only place that I'm wrong <laughs> is that it's no it's no longer going to be a trilogy because we're getting a TV show and another movie. <laughs> Like, and the, and the spin off. <laughs> but it is the greatest epic of our time. Okay. And, like, that if you put that on paper, especially like John Wick 1, you put it on paper, it is the dumbest thing on yeah. the planet. A retired assassin comes out of retirement because of a, a, a punk kid that is a mafioso child killed his dog. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't That's work it. like it doesn't work in print, but like in like a standard book. But it would work in like a manga or a graphic novel, right? Yeah, I there are books uh, for the because like oh, the are there? the first the first movie's based on a book. And I, I still haven't read them uh, because I I knew nothing about it, and yeah. then like the movie gets advertised and they advertised it perfectly, which is just yeah. Okay, no, his dog died and they stole his car. <laughs> Watch Keanu Reeves kill everybody. Watch Keanu Reeves kill everybody in <laughs> and style. It's like, and it's like, that's great. But, like, those stories aren't nearly as enjoyable if we don't have, like, a backbone trope. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the, the fact that the, you know, from a very young age, working your way out of the trenches by becoming a killer 
and you learn these skills because you're just trying to survive it's you know that that trope is builds this foundation that we get to have crazier stories come out of yeah um so i'm i'm totally fine with it uh, yeah yeah and and to kind of follow up i think from what you know you the listener has heard so far you can already tell that they've left themselves with space with the very unique situation she's in where you know from birth essentially being raised in this environment um obviously a stockholm syndrome type situation and then the extreme of what she goes to for the sense of redemption um in her father's eyes is also equally different <laughs> so when you start to introduce things like garen well, we'll talk about that down the road and other influences in her life as she gets older and gets outside of that noxus bubble you're going to be able to see a change and a conflict of ideals and what does katarina turn into when there's a whole open world out there um that's not assassin focused yeah but and that's what fun is you can't get there unless you have a solid foundation thus yep. again trope is fine with me all right and with that thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with the next episode step on me katarina <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean take care everybody <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>